0: Coming straight from the cockpit, it's another episode of Lunatic Fringe with the fucking pilot. Ready, set, go. All right. once again, this is the fucking pilot back in the booth with another edition of Lunatic Fringe Into the Void. And again, the magic of the internet, thank goodness. Uh, I've got somebody else on the line to talk about some cool shit. So tell me, who are you and what the fuck do you do?
1: My name is DJ fucking Marvin. How are you doing, Dean? DJ fucking Marvin. How's it going? <laughs> it's going good, man. I thought that was the right introduction for this show. Yeah. Uh, what do I do? Man, that's a loaded question. I am, <laughs> um, man, I, I own a company called The Rating Center. We are a full time rating school. We do coach courses, canopy courses, AFF, tandem courses. We do a little bit of everything thing. Hmm. I uh, work for Skydive Spaceland as a consultant. I help with their school. I've written a large part of their curriculum over the years, editing or revising, um, and continue to work with their schools and setting up their new programs. I uh, run and host a podcast called Gravity Lab Radio. Uh, We just did our 101st episode, so we're doing pretty good. And I am also the host of LB Live. Uh, We do interviews of LB athletes for Larson and Bruce Gard. As well as I do uh, product testing and and uh, manual development with them, you're a so a little busy, bit of everything.
0: You're a busy fucking guy,
1: man. It's uh, it's the only way I know how to have fun. Stay busy.
0: That's uh, that's more than one iron in the fire for sure. I mean, well, all right. So let's get let's start with the basics. Let's start with how you got into skydiving in the first place, because that seems to be the anchor to the whole story.
1: Yeah, man. I always wanted to skydive. Uh, I've been jumping for 22 years now. Started in '97. Uh, like most people of my era and age point break, uh, really made me want to do it. I had an uncle who was army, uh, skydiver. I eventually find out he had a thousand jumps. Mm. Um, so he wasn't just airborne. Um, from there, uh, drop zone and terminal velocity also came out and really almost pushed me over the edge. And I was teaching a traffic school. I have a background in magic, um, did magic for a while. Uh, the traffic school believed that Anybody can teach traffic law, but if we make it entertaining, people will pay to show up. So they charged a premium. They paid us pretty well. Wow. It was my part-time gig. I did it at night, and uh, I and I introduced a class. What's your name? My name is Steve Barker. He's a full-time guy out at Skydive Paris now. And uh, Steve, what do you do for a living? What do you do for fun? I skydive for a living. I skydive for fun. And that eight-hour traffic school was a DJ asking, how do I learn to skydive? <laughs> So that's uh, Steve Barker, man. I actually thank him on our show regularly on Gravity Lab. Uh, man, a lot of what I do today, how I met my wife, how I mean, Steve Barker changed my life, brother.
0: So Steve Barker basically greased through the easiest traffic school ever. Uh, dude, everybody
1: in that class loved him because nobody heard a thing about traffic. Law. I was like, I, I could fucking care less, dude. How do I skydive?
0: That's the, that's you video
1: DX games? How do I do that? I mean, all the things he told me about were so cool, dude.
0: That's fucking epic. Well, you and I actually started out at exactly the same time. I just started jumping a year before you. So we're very much of the same generation. And it was movies like Point Break and and, uh, Drop Zone and stuff that you became a skydiver and then, of course, watched again because it was the inspiration. And then you realize, oh, there's a little bit of Hollywood in these movies. Um, But they were still so influential. And Point Break to this day is still my favorite movie that's linked to the sport, without a doubt. Man, Fandango. Fandango too, but Fandango is is such a comic version of it. Um and it oh, was Oh, it is. It was entertaining and a great laugh, but I think Point Break was the one that was like, Oh my god, that looks badass. Whereas um Fandango just made it look ridiculous, which was wonderful. I love
1: that scene. It's it's it's, it's awesome, dude. That and actually my probably favorite movie period is Cut Away as far as Scott movies go.
0: <laughs> really? <laughs> oh,
1: dude! It's a horrible movie. I'm not going to sit here and and brag about its quality of acting or its quality of. Dude, the skydiving in that movie is phenomenal, and and Norman Crew did a phenomenal job in video production, and and I think that's why it's my favorite. Is it has so much good quality skydiving video? Sure,
0: sure. Well, so you you get hooked on all the the same things that hooked me in. But where did you start skydiving, and and how did it progress from there?
1: I started in a place called Air Adventures in San Diego. It's located or was located at Brownfield, just off the border. Yep. Um, I actually measured on Google Earth one day how far my target was from the Tijuana border, from the, the fence, and it's about 2,000 uh,
0: feet. That sounds about right.
1: Yeah. So, uh, you know, my first jump course, we learned if you land in Mexico, what to do.
0: I did my <laughs> wait, first 100- wait, wait, What did they tell you to do if you land in Mexico?
1: Uh, zip open your jumpsuit in your jumpsuit there's an inside pocket which we all now know exists but as a new jumper you're like there's a pocket inside my jumpsuit (laughs) right uh there's a note inside that pocket that tells you uh what to do with a phone there's change in there to make a phone call etc etc so um they told us how to contact the dz how uh the drop zone was located at the airport. We landed elsewhere. Right. And the drop zone building was next door, immediately next door to Border Patrol. So our relationship with them was real strong and they would immediately contact Border Patrol and and they had a gig. They worked together. My first hundred jumps were there and two fellows landed off in Mexico. They said it happens about once a year. Wow. So um, during those hundred jumps, a gal named Carmen, uh, who till through today I pay a large amount of respect for one of my primary AFF instructors who uh, today I still role model. I still use when I train AFF instructors some of her methodology. Uh, told me time and time again, like, DJ, you, you will only learn so much here. You need to go to Paris. I'm like, why do I go to France to skydive, girl? <laughs> um, I'm the Southern California kid, but I didn't know Paris, California existed. Right. Eventually, I moved uh, up to a little town called Mirietta, just south of Paris and Elsinore, and I tried Paris for a month. I enjoyed it. I pulled into Elsinore, and I was going to try them for a month and decide where to make home. And, God, I think I hadn't been in, in Elsinore for 30 minutes before I'd been invited on literally 10 different skydives. I mean there, there's no uh, – it's a memorable number to me. I can tell you I'm unloading the trunk of my buddy's car who's taking a piss. Hey, I don't know you. You should come skydive with us. I'm signing hmm. a manifest. Who Who are you? You should come skydive with us. Hey, we have this event. You should – everybody asked me to make a skydive with them. Um, and, man, the vibe was just what I was looking for, and Elsinore was home through 2001, and uh, I was on a really crappy Free Fly team. Somebody had to come in last. Right. Um. Actually, Free Fly wasn't even in nationals yet. Um, we trained together as a team to become better, not to become serious. We just wanted to become better flyers.
0: You and know then in 01, you know, it's yeah? funny as you're telling this story, um, we were hitting the same area at the same time. Cause I competed in the 98 nationals in skysurfing in Elsinore. So you would have been there. Um, Dude.
1: So, uh, Stefan Klaus and Brian Rogers, I start, I, I moved to, uh, uh, I moved to Elsinore in June of 98. Um, I, I want to say June or July of 98, if I remember right. And, uh, psycho circus followed just after us. Hmm. Like my, me and my buddy showed up, psycho circus showed up maybe two months after we did. If that sounds familiar. Uh,
0: a little bit, although memories from those eras, a little bit. vague. <laughs> 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 They're fuzzy as fuzzy as fuck, right? A little bit, a little bit. I remember they, the uh, highlights.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, psycho circus were an Elsinore or, or Paris scrub team who were really building up. They jumped purple and yellow or purple and, uh, yeah, yellow jumpsuits.
0: God, that um, sounds really familiar.
1: Yeah, yeah eventually I- a team called Freak Show jumped purple and orange, which was us, and we, we trained with them. We followed uh, – I say followed. We took over Yahoo Sky Surf's uh, team room.
0: Okay. All right. Now that sounds really familiar because, uh, at the time myself and my partner were driving down from Vegas to train in Paris. We did the Paris Valley challenge and, and then ended up in the, in the nationals in Elsinore. So it was all that timeframe. Uh, Paris was our big drop zone to go to from Vegas. So we drive hey, down there. Uh, Mary Tortomasi. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I remember she yeah. and I competed against Craig and Tanya in the 98 nationals, man,
1: it's dude. Yeah. It's a throwback error. No, I, I did a lot oh. of jumps with, if you know, Kathy Johnson. Oh yeah. I uh, I did outside video for her and her team for a couple of things. They like had ESPN of Japan out and asked me to to shoot outside video for them. Um, Larry, I forget, Larry Heltzer, I think is his last name, who can never find a teammate but trained nonstop. I shot a lot of video for him <laughs> sky surfing. I enjoyed the heck out of the sky surf scene back then.
0: Yeah, it was a lot of fun, so, although uh, my Mary and I definitely got into it at the very end of it. I think it was about the same time that McCormick was coming up with the Invisible Man routine, and Craig and Tom yeah. were just – they were an unstoppable force, and and uh, so that that was the death of sky surfing for us for sure, uh, and the the start of the so called professional skydiving career for me.
1: <laughs> yeah, and really that's about the era uh, skydiving started turning more professional, and business started started to become a word instead yeah. of just a sport,
0: yeah well, because back then it was it was only the the rare drop zones like Paris and Eloy and Elsinore and and you know cross keys on the on the east coast and and the ranch and stuff that were true businesses and making a profit because the mom and pop places um didn't either either they were doing really well but they were you know uh, bare bones and small staff or uh, they were just barely getting by, yeah. It's definitely yeah. hey. changed a lot. Well, so you ended up uh, uh, in Elsinore, and you started competing relatively quickly. But we're, when did you start really working in the sport?
1: So in oh one, for personal reasons, I moved to Indiana. I had I was kind of throwing my life down the toilet. I wasn't being responsible. I was partying way too much and mm. doing a lot of stupid things. Mm. Uh so I decided a life reset was important. Um and I don't think I needed to move to do that reset, but I thought it was helpful. Sure. I had family in Indiana. They're not from there, but they were just there. So I moved there to have a place to ground myself. Uh for about six months, got a job at a Ford dealership, said, Hey, I need a job. I just moved here. Let me just get some income generating. Uh, took a couple-week vacation from that job, uh, just normal vacation. And during those couple weeks, I shot video full-time for the DZ.
0: Nice.
1: And I, as a brand-new skydiver, I want to do this for a living. I know how to teach. I have a background with teaching and coaching things throughout my life. I like skydiving. And after a year, I'm like, I will never do what I love for a living. This is stupid. Mm. And that was my like, you know what? Fuck it. Let, let's try. Let's let's see what happens. And after about a week and a half, I called my boss up and he said, you're not coming back, are you? <laughs> I said, no, he goes, I knew what you were doing. I knew what your goals were to, to take this time off. And uh, I'm not shocked. He was very respectful. And from there, it's all been uh, downhill. it's all all been
0: a ride that's pretty damn cool it seems to me the more people that I talk to there's really only a couple of paths that lead towards uh, or at least in my experience that lead towards uh, a full time uh, member of the skydiving lifestyle and that either seems to be they were deep into the real world and the normal job and decided to say fuck it because they went out and did that one jump and they were dissatisfied with you know what the so called American dream had to offer or they'd fucked everything up <laughs> and managed to stumble their way into skydiving, which was kind of my path as well. I kind of just had, uh, I, I, I kind of forest Gumped my way into a, a skydiving career, so to speak. <laughs> it doesn't seem like anybody just sits down and goes, okay, nope, these are the different paths that I can take and I've chosen to do this for a living. It doesn't seem to be that way.
1: <laughs> Man, they are few and far between. As an examiner and a, and a guy who does a lot of ratings, I, I deal with a lot of people who are breaking into the business and God they're rare who plan it. Like you said, we either get frustrated in life because it's not our style or because we fucked it up. Right. It, absolutely. The truth.
0: Right. Which obviously seems to turn out to be a huge benefit because most of the so-called fuck ups in the real world have excelled in skydiving and, and just kind of, I mean, to, to be really tacky, they found their wings.
1: Well, hundred percent, man. Like, you know, it's your, your podcast, your moniker, the fucking pilot is a brand that we couldn't represent in the real world. Gravity Lab, the way we speak, the things we do, uh, you know, it, uh, HR is not a thing in skydiving. And, and in some cases probably should be, right. but for the most part, PC is out the window. And, and I think that's why we thrive is, I go to the drop zone in shorts and a t-shirt and I'm at work on a fancy day, I wear a button collared shirt because I'm teaching class all day and everybody goes, Oh, you're dressed nice today. Right, and it's like, right. yeah, it feels pretty good to wear a collar.
0: Oh yeah. Well, on days that I show up at the drop zone with uh, anything but flip-flops on, they just assume that I'm jumping because why in the hell else would I wear shoes? <laughs> right. <laughs> Which is wonderful. It's
1: such a blessed lifestyle, man. We, we live the lifestyle of a bum, basically.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and uh, uh, get to go out and have fun with our friends for the most part, uh, which is amazing. And you're right. The, the whole PC thing, um, I, I never was particularly politically correct anyway. But uh, in skydiving, you have less of a, a need to be. Um, although I have gotten myself in trouble once or twice <laughs> with that as well, but yeah, the whole p- the the PC thing and not being so uh, whether it's male or female, old or young was one of the huge attractions to the um, the lifestyle of the sport and the community of the sport because just nobody seemed to give a fuck. This is me, take it or leave it, which is really nice. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a huge attract- attractant to the sport, and I'm sure the. The community side of things had to have been the same for you as well.
1: Man, 100%. I uh, did a seminar at the USPA board meeting recently uh, at the DZO conference. But, I'm sorry, not the board meeting, at the DZO conference. Mm. And it was about jumper retention. And the statement was, we come for the skydives, we stay for the skydivers. Yep. And I say it all the time on the podcast. I say it regularly. And as much as I love to skydive and I, and man, skydiving is tremendous. It's, it's a beautiful thing. Hmm. The skydivers mean 10 times more to me than the skydives do at this point in my life.
0: Oh, without a my doubt. My
1: best friends are, my best friends are skydivers. My wife's a skydiver. Everybody I know said and done. Well, most people I know said and done are skydivers. So sure. it, the skydivers to the community are where it's at.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, and um, the, the the jumps themselves for somebody like me, I was a uh, you know just a tandem workhorse and a video workhorse, and I had my moment in the sun attempting to uh, to do the competition stuff. But I'm never going to be a, an outstanding free flyer. I'm never going to be an outstanding swooper. I'm I'm good, but I'm not great at anything in the sport. Um, so I'm certainly not in it for the fame and fortune of it all. <laughs> you know, uh, so it, it's, uh, it's very much been the community over anything else because I categorize myself as an average, you know, average jumper, average instructor. And, and I'm fine with that, not to mention, and I'm sure you're the same, uh, as the sport progresses through the roof with skill levels, whether it be the tunnel or, or Ooh. just modern training, um, I find out just how truly I really do suck, but <laughs> That I've also still got so much more to learn that it makes it fun and engaging again. I like sucking because it means I've got somewhere to go and to learn. Yeah. Easy to learn, impossible to master. Right. Oh, God. Would you ever want to master it? I wouldn't want to master that shit. No I'd walk
1: away if I did. Yeah. If I want to master skydiving, I'm done. And I never can. It's Like you said, every time I turn around, they're better than I could ever think they could have been. Oh, yeah. And there's a new evolution and discipline that, like— Really? You're flying a wingsuit and a parachute together? What the? You're you're kidding me.
0: I know it. It's gotten so crazy. I I had a conversation with Mike Wittenberg not too long ago about uh, his kids winning the worlds in the tunnel uh, and doing things at, uh, you know, nine and 10 and 11 years old that I can't do after 25 years of skydiving. (laughs) So it's wonderful. It's also quite humbling as well when you realize, oh, yeah, no, I don't really have any talent. (laughs) <laughs> right.
1: It, the, the, it's, I love the evolution of our sport. It's it's just been amazing. And what's great is you talk about the, the culture, the evolution of the flight, the evolution of people of human flight period has also evolved that culture, how people have grown together, how people have meshed together. It just seems like the culture continues to grow as the skill set does too.
0: Absolutely. Well, what do you think right now is the is the biggest driving force um, behind this uh, the major increase in um, skill level and ability? Is it the the training that started about the time you and I started in this sport? Is it the tunnels? Is it a combination of?
1: Man, I th- I think uh, the largest catalyst really is social media. Yeah. Because without. You know, I I worked in a drop zone in Indiana. How do we know what's going on in this middle, in a small or mid-sized Midwest drop zone without seeing on social media people turning blind mans, people doing this under canopy, people doing this free-flying? And that motivates us to now go to the tunnel, to now go get modern coaching. So absolutely coaching in the sky, coaching in the uh, tunnel, coaching under canopy – these have been major evolutions. Um, I recently worked with a dude doing 270s on the pond with less than 500 jumps, which 10 years ago, there's no way mm. I think somebody with that many jumps should do it. But this guy's been coaching with uh, Kurt, with Kurt Bartholomew, sure. with uh, uh, God, Greg, Greg Winmiller and myself, and he was ready. So the coaching for sure, but that social media catalyst of People are watching YouTube. People are right now listening to this podcast on their phone while they're at work and they're getting inspired by either things we say or things they see on the interwebs. Sure. That is the biggest catalyst.
0: Now, do you think, though, for as positive as the social media thing is, do you think um, the negative offsets it a fair amount? I mean, I don't got... think it
1: offsets it as far as it overpowers it, no, I do I, think it actually weakens it for sure because yeah. people do stupid shit because oh, I saw this on YouTube. You're not a YouTube scholar, homie. Just because yeah. you saw it on YouTube. I watched a lot of Pornhub, but I'm not very good at sex. Right.
0: Yeah. Just you know, because
1: you watch it doesn't mean you're good at it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I guess uh, I have a I real love-hate relationship with uh, with social media for sure. Uh, I just talked to, to Tracy Baum, and, and she was talking about uh, when her husband passed that she uh, you know, it was on Facebook 37 seconds after it happened and and you know you, you and I and everybody that's a modern skydiver has seen it over and over again uh, so between stuff like that or um, the close calls that uh, you see on YouTube that look badass but if you ask the jumper they're like no that was not good or or even the ones that went exactly as planned but they give some guy um, that decided to buy a wingsuit used off of uh, you know DZ.com that he can go flick some you know object and, and barrel down the mountain like you know, one of these badasses, that's where I, I get kind of scared about the social media thing. Cause I really do think it drives some pretty bad ideas.
1: I mean, there was what, 16 base fatalities in August of, I think it was 2016 because people are trying to emulate the proxy fight that they're seeing. And some, some of them, are that good, but some of them just shouldn't be trying it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, and and um, I've had the privilege uh, to meet uh, some of the best in the world at that. And they'll all say the same thing. Uh, um, you know, sometimes it just comes down to luck. And if you don't have the skill to back up that luck, you're just, you're fucked. Yeah, that kind of stuff is kind of scary.
1: Now, it, it for sure is. No, it's you th- a man for I want to take a quick sidetrack just because this one this one just gets me, man. Hey, and you talked about Tracy and it, it, it crushes me, man. I found out my grandfather died through social media. Oh, Jesus Christ. That broke my fucking heart. man. Of course man. it did. If you're out there and you know somebody who died skydiving, please hold back your thoughts. Please hold back your sentiments. Give it a week, legitimately a week for all the family to find out because it's not just about mom, dad, brother, sister, husband, wife. It's about aunts, uncles, and cousins. Oh, yeah. These people need to find out their loved one died not through – I fucking found out my grandfather, who I loved to death and tremendously, died through Facebook. Yeah, no. So if you're out there posting blue skies, black death the day of, the next day, or within the week, man, you're a douche right. I'm sorry. I I love my friends. I've seen good friends do it. But, man, let it be. And then a week later, share your sentiments. So if you're out there sharing these things. Please back off because how, you know, Tracy dealing with that, man, God bless her. Oh yeah. God bless well, her. You know, when and, I, t- um, and-
0: I, even said to her on the podcast that, uh, I had been guilty of the same thing earlier on in, in the whole social media, um, which has not really been. All that long, for Christ's sakes, uh, of doing the exact same thing. And then, of course, you have instances like Tom, uh, I found out on Facebook and and a number of other friends on Facebook. And and, uh, uh, it's just a shitty, horrible fucking way for that to come down. It's just terrible. So now uh, I will never post the black picture. Or or anything like that. I will wait. And once it's all come out and it's released, then if it's someone I'm close to, I'll put something out there. I don't know if you knew, uh, uh, Rob Stanley, um, was a jumper, uh, out of cross keys and all around the the U S and the world was, uh, just recently killed in a, in an accident in China. Um, and, uh, again, I found that on Facebook. Um, now of course it's all over the place out there. And so I, I he was a, a wonderful guy and a good friend. And so then you, you, you say what you want to say and you make posts and add to other people's posts, but that's once everybody's been notified, everybody's heard. For know. sure,
1: man. It, it's, it's for sure. Pay your respect for sure. Honor your homies. We, we need to show that love. And you know, the Ryan Risberg stickers that are all over the place, they're wonderful. The you know, Sam Smith, who got her, all the support, Sam stuff going out there. These kind of things for sure need to happen. So, I, you know, I'm with you, and, and I think you're with me. We don't need to blast it right away, but we do not need to forget it. You know, if I die skydiving, for sure call it out publicly. For sure, question what I did. And, and please, I hope that y'all would honor me if I die or when I die. Um, Hope oh, I don't die anytime if soon. If there
0: aren't fucking hundreds of posts talking shit about me, if I go in. <laughs> <laughs> If there's not just a constant stream of insults on my page, I'm going to be hurt. (laughs) Right. You know, but yeah, once everybody knows, then bring out the big guns and talk shit about me.
1: Yeah, man. It it, it's, it makes a huge difference. So, I, you know, sorry to go on that little sidetrack, no, but no. that one, it's...
0: I think it's a good one to go on, but I mean, I, I think you're right that after after all the, the, the Blue sky stuff is done, talking about what happened, uh, having a dialogue, um, social media is great for that. Um, one of the, the friends of Stanley actually posted the incident report on Facebook, and it gained a lot of traction simply because people wanted to know. This is a guy with 25,000 skydives. Uh, you just you know, he was supposed to live forever and to find out that he died on a skydive just it didn't quite click. And so everybody needed to know why, what happened. Yeah. Uh, and it, it it's important for people to kind of learn those lessons, uh, just like the the unfortunate rash of uh, aircraft incidents that the sport has been having lately. Granted, again, we need to wait for a proper time, but a conversation needs to be had about what the fuck is going on. Time for training and learning and and, uh, all that stuff. And social media is amazing for something like that, I think.
1: It it absolutely is. And that that idea of education has been huge. And, yes, there's that big downside uh, that people – go do stupid things, but use social media, use the internet, use these dope videos you see of these sick flyers to inspire you to get that coaching, sure. go to the drop zones and get camps. You know, it's, I do a lot of coaching of various types, canopy coaching, especially, and I encourage anybody I coach, go find a different coach, go learn somewhere else where nobody has a connection with you, where you, where there's no bias to, for, or against you also get coached where people have a bias to, for, or against you. Sure. You know, use the internet to inspire you, not to prompt you to do stupid things. Yeah,
0: well, and it should be an avenue for you to research every angle of stuff like that, especially when it comes to training. You know, And I do uh, very similarly as you with jumpers, um, I do when I'm teaching a, a new pilot how to fly uh, either at a particular drop zone or at a new aircraft, and I'll teach him everything I have to know, and then I'll put him with another pilot and say, all right, now go learn everything that they have to know and cherry pick what works for you within these parameters. Find out your best avenue to do things this way you know and and because there's never one perfect way to do everything everyone thinks about things a little bit differently so seeing it from a different set of eyes may click much much better um, than say the way I do it or the way you do it so it's it's a very good thing to give people as much variety in training as they can get
1: sometimes I just say it in a way that you get or vice versa you say it in a way that he gets Um, well I'll give you different nuggets it's there's so many ways to to learn and so many ways to teach and so many ways to lead. Why limit the resources you have in front of you?
0: Sure. Well, and and uh, and I'm sure you've seen it in the past too. There are instructors or coaches out there that will get really upset if, uh, or used to anyway, get upset if, if you would go to someone else and ask for advice, like it was an insult against the way that they trained. And that's not the case. It's just making sure you get all the information you can possibly get.
1: Man, and 100%. And if you're a coach or an instructor and you're against that, Man, I've had people i keep I coach under canopy go learn from somebody else, and then I come they come back to me like, "Hey, let's put a session together. What have you been working on since last time? Well, I started working on this? Well, wait a minute. what's the idea behind? what you're working on. Right. Well, Greg Windmiller told me this is what I'm working on. And I'm like, well, man, that kind of took a different path, but I like the new path you're on. Sure. So it's, it's helps me become a better coach by learning from what they've learned. It helps me diversify where I might be trapped in a path of teaching Where another coach reminds me that there's another path or another direction that might be better for this guy or gal. Yeah. So I've learned a lot through my students getting instruction from other people without me ever going to them. Now, of course, I
0: try to go get coaching myself still, too. Well, that's the thing, too, is the best coaches are still students. Man, there's so much to learn. Oh, God. So much. Yeah, and and I don't ever want to know anything. I like the fact that we're in a sport um, where I can still be completely in awe of something that someone else does and still call myself an athlete in the same sport that they're in. That's an amazing thing. Mm hmm. I, I, like, it absolutely. It really is. I mean, like right now, the the uh, Swoop Challenge is going on in Jeddah. You're watching it on Facebook as it's happening live. And, you know, half of those competitors I consider friends of mine and they're doing shit I could never do. And it's I, I'm amazed and in awe all the time when I get to watch these guys that I'm buddies with doing this incredible shit. And I still get to call myself a skydiver as well, which is awesome.
1: It's, it's amazing to be connected to these people. It's amazing to be friends with these people. And, uh, it's fun to be their instructor. You know, I've, I've trained people who've become world champs. I've trained people who've gotten medals and, you know, like you said, to be friends with these athletes, it's amazing. And the fact that the Olympic channel is broadcasting this swoop comp is phenomenal. Isn't that huge? That's ridiculous, dude. It's
0: what that tells me is that they are on the express path to getting this thing in the Olympics.
1: Yes. Yes. And, and, you know, we've questioned what could get us back into the Olympics, what could push us that direction and the wind tunnel and canopy piloting are the two things that could push us there. Yep,
0: Yeah. I mean, honestly, they're the only two viable spectator sports for skydiving where you don't necessarily need to know much about it. Uh, it's uh, especially with the tunnel, it's very much akin to something like uh, ice skating. I don't understand mm-hmm. what they're doing, but I know what looks beautiful. I know what looks exactly. really cool. So, And I don't need to understand how you do these spins on these blades to think it's amazing, just like I don't need to understand what's going on in the tunnel or necessarily in the canopy. Canopy is a little bit different, I think. Um, when I was back in Cross Keys in the days, we used to have a, a Tuesday morning swoop club. Everybody wake up at 6 o'clock in the morning, and half of the crew would be swooping the pond, and the other half would be getting drunk on the side of the pond, watching. And everybody swooping and you didn't wake up at six o'clock in the morning just to go drink by the pond you watch to go watch your buddies chow into the pond and laugh yes. and laugh your ass off as they're trying to drag a fucking velocity full of water out of the pond <laughs> right so I, I think that the swoop stuff will be even a little bit more uh, um uh, dynamic it's a little bit more like nascar you don't go to watch the cars go around in a circle you go to watch them hit the wall <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, man, it is. And like, if you actually go to the Olympic channel right now, they have two videos that, that are promoing what's going on. And one's called what a swoop and the other is called swoop science. And they actually show some nice crashes. They is, they show some cool stuff, but they show some fun
0: stuff. Yeah. When I pulled it up, uh, the, their little, uh, you know, minute and a half intro that they've got going on, they've got a couple of good wipeouts in it. I think that was, uh, uh from the, the Copenhagen meet, I believe. Um, and, yes. and it was obviously they're, a, they're a blast to watch and the way that they've set those competitions up now, especially being on such a big body of water with the the large raft and stuff, it's just a really fun competition to watch.
1: It's a blast, man. It's amazing. And the one thing that scares me though, is, is people have over the years, longer than you and I've been skydiving, but definitely, uh, in our beginning, people were, pushing and hoping for mainstream skydiving, mainstream skydiving and to see these events push the Olympics. It does scare me a little bit because the mainstream drives cars and that scares me. Right. The guy who drove next to me on the freeway yesterday, I don't want to be under canopy with. Right. So, you know, that, that it's kind of like you said, we talked about the internet having that bittersweet, that mainstream push for skydiving. I, I'm still torn about wanting to see it in the Olympics because You know, I do want the sport to grow. I do want more cool friends, you know, and and of course, as the business grows for my buddies who are instructors to give them more opportunities to be, to make make more money is, is great, but man, I don't want every Tom, Dick, and Harry skydiving.
0: Oh, no doubt. Well, and I'll tell you, I, I think, though, that uh, even if it uh, uh, goes mainstream, in, in other words, it gets into the Olympics, whether it be both a tunnel or uh, canopy piloting, I think skydiving will always remain just on the outskirts of mainstream for t- a couple of reasons. I think, first, it's cost prohibitive. Um, uh, it, what's the old joke? Uh, how do you make a small fortune in skydiving? You start with a big one. Um, or, uh, um, what is it? It's $200 for your first jump and half your income for the rest of your life. I think most of us would agree that that's probably a uh, shooting low. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I spent a fuckload more than that. Um, so I think cost keeps it out of range of a, a lot of the average Americans. And uh, uh, if you ask Olaf Zipser, he's going to tell you the tunnels doing that uh, because who's going to go out and spend these thousands and thousands and eventually hundreds of thousands of dollars on a skydiving career when you can go, you know, put your two cents in and hop in the, in the tunnel with a group of five or six people. So he he's and, a, he's of a, the opinion that the, the tunnel will eventually be the, the burning death of skydiving. I'm not quite that doomsday, but I think it's going to put a dent in it for sure.
1: I'm definitely scared of what the tunnel can do. And uh, I, I don't know if you know of the uh, company Urban Air. Uh, Urban Air is known as a trampampoline park.
0: I, you know, I don't know that I've heard of it.
1: Yeah, so it, it's, it's a chain throughout the U.S. They're a trampoline park. They have things like... Trampling, Trampling Dodgeball. They have obstacle courses, like uh, Ninja Warrior-style courses, all sorts of fun things. But they're starting a wind tunnel part of their business. They opened their first one up in uh, Fort Worth. Uh They're spreading uh, Georgia's next, Albuquerque, Houston's in the works, Arcadia's in the Houston area. And number one, at normal prices, they're they're looking at like $500 an hour or less. But I know one of the places, and and I forget – I, I might be quoting this wrong but i think right now in fort worth ten dollars unlimited minutes for the day what exactly dude uh, what oh. so the the price point look now urban air is a smaller tunnel it's an eight foot tunnel you can't get super crazy in it it flies about 80 percent of what i fly capacity has sure. um obviously i have an inside hookup with urban air uh um, we actually had uh, John Walker on Gravity Lab Radio talking about Urban Air's uh, uh, tunnel tunnel project, and he's in charge of it. So um, it, you're not going to fly as well in it because of that limited air. But at the same time, man, that to the general public oh, has made skydiving so much more accessible. Sure, absolutely. So I do think the tunnel is going to be uh, I don't think, I'm with you, I don't think it's going to be the doomsday death of it. I think it's going to be a great gateway drug. Uh, you know I, how many people have we seen come to skydiving because of the tunnel? Oh,
0: sure. Well, and I'm actually one of those because uh, before I ever made my first jump, I was actively flying in Flyaway in Las Vegas, which was the f- one of. Oh my god! Yeah, one of the two <laughs> first tunnels ever for civilians in the country. Um, uh, I became an instructor there and had probably I want to say 50 hours in the tunnel before I ever made my first tandem. Uh, so I am one of the original tunnel rats, man. I, I was in the tunnel before I'd ever seen the bottom side of nylon. Uh, and I ended up working in that tunnel until I had a few hundred hours in the tunnel, but that was the older tunnel, you know, slow air speeds, maximum of 120. You had to wear the massive baggy jumpsuits. There were pockets of dead air all over the place. And you basically became a really good cloth pilot, not a body pilot. Um, my, so, you know, when it came time to start shooting video, I was great in flying a set of wings because I'd been doing that in the tunnel forever. Um, but, and of course, it did nothing for me in modern tunnels because I'm horrible in a modern tunnel um <laughs> it, it it didn't stick with me but uh, i was definitely one of the the kids that came from the tunnel and went to the sky uh so i do agree with you that it absolutely yeah. will i think zipser's point was he thinks that it it on its own becomes the end all be all um if i can do all these amazing things in the air here in this tunnel and i don't have to drive to the drop zone and i don't have to wait for loads and i don't have to spend all this money and i don't have to almost die um why don't i just do this and I guess I kind of agree with that, but I also think that someone that has that mentality was never going to be a skydiver in the first place.
1: I do. I agree with you wholeheartedly it's that that mentality is meant for the tunnel and that's okay. Yeah. But you know, I, why do I skydive versus the tunnel? And, and when uh, Houston opened its first tunnel, there was there's two of them. I had an easy opportunity to join the team, whether it was a management or I'm, I'm pretty positive I could have tried out as an instructor. Um, my immediate answer was number one. Exiting an airplane, there's nothing like it. No. Number two, I love the great outdoors, yeah. being outside, yeah, being in the sky. And I think plenty of those tunnel flyers will feel confined, like, man, this is super cool, but what would it be like to be outside and do this? For and sure. I think once they get under canopy, like, I love freefall. I, I will never say freefall is not phenomenal. I smile on freefall more than I smile anywhere else. Sure. Except for under <laughs> canopy. Sure. That is, for me, flying a wing is, is bigger than anything. Sure. And I think a lot of those we, – we've seen several tunnel rats. We have two tunnels here in Houston, and I've seen quite a few come to the sport. And some of them like just – man, the, the parachute now my favorite part. As much as I love free fall and they don't neglect it, they focus more on canopy skills than anything. Sure. Now, most tunnel rats do focus on free fall. Absolutely. So.
0: Well, it was kind of funny for me because uh, um, I was, by the time I graduated AFF and, and uh, started up off on my own, you know, skydiving path, um, I was solid in the air. I graduated AFF and I think six or seven jumps because I'd done everything in the tunnel. Uh, so the skills were natural there, but under Canopy, different story scared the shit out of me oh my god gear fear like you wouldn't believe and you know just nervous as hell under the parachute and it took a long time to get over that um because i think the extra confidence i had in free fall took away from uh you know the confidence i felt i should have under the parachute um so i think it it changes the learning curve for sure when you go from the tunnel uh to the sky but if you can do it in combination i think it's fucking amazing
1: it's been tremendous to work with students in both environments, sure. for sure. And, you know, I, I really hate hearing tunnel flyers, they say skydiving, and I hate hearing skydivers poo on tunnel flying, man. They they are we are brother and sister. We are spirits. We are kindred spirits. Rather, uh, we are family. Why not embrace both? Why not allow our family to co
0: Well, absolutely. Well, and, and there's benefits to both for the other, without a doubt. Uh, so I, I have, uh, again, maybe because I'm one of the original tunnel rats, I have zero animosity when it comes to the tunnel. I fucking love it. Um, mm-hmm. and I'm constantly humbled at the skill level that, uh, uh, that the tunnel flyers these days have. It's amazing. Uh, I would like to see them in the air more though, in the sky.
1: Yeah, man. We're blessed here in Houston because our, our, our main tunnel, our bigger tunnel is, is Memorial. When I say bigger, it just sees more business. And the majority of their staff are actually skydivers. Which is awesome. So it's, it's phenomenal. It's great. So number one, when tunnel rats come to learn to skydive, there's a lot of humility where sometimes you see a tunnel rat jump on the wrong canopy because I know how to fall. <laughs> I can be on whatever parachute I want to be on. Right. Um, but also the relationship of our skydivers to our indoor skydivers in our Houston community is it's blessed. Sure. We, we are very blessed. It's tremendous. And, and there is not a lot of animosity within our group. Well, Usually the animosity is by somebody who sucks sure. at one or the other. Oh, yeah. Well, and I'm actually. <laughs> l- so they just hate that they're no good. Right.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Well, and I, I hate that I'm no good, but I hate it in a humorous way. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm actually yeah. longtime friends with uh, a guy you probably know, uh, Rory Corrigan. Um, his, yeah. yeah. So he and I go way back to the cross keys days. And of course I met him when, uh, um, he was just coming up in skydiving. And then of course he went on to become a badass in the tunnel and a rigger and all this stuff. And, uh, and he has nothing but good things to say about the community out there. So one of these days I'm gonna have to get out there and fly.
1: Man, you got to. And uh, I'll tell you the day you're out here, if you're hanging out in Houston, come be on my show. Hell yeah. Uh, we, we'll, we'll turn it around. We'll flip the script. It won't, be any different than this. Yeah, we'll enough. just be in person the shit. together.
0: Well, I've, <laughs> exactly, I've a- man. I've actually only been through Texas a couple of times under not the best of circumstances. I, I ended up landing in Spaceland um, and spending the night sleeping in the Chicagoland Otter after I got uh, run out of uh, um, a town south of the border under not so great circumstances. So I've actually been there. I just didn't do anything fun because I was too shell-shocked. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I bet, dude. I'm just gonna sit here and hug my knees and cry. That's
0: pretty much exactly what I did on a blow-up mattress in the back of the Chicagoland Otter on the on the grass in SpaceLand. <laughs> so tell man. me, Gravity Lab, how did that all come about? How did that get started? Because you're 101 episodes in, so you're you're down the road a ways.
1: Yeah, man. We, uh, dude. It's it's been a wild journey. Uh, I listen to podcasts. I'm a large podcast consumer myself. I listen to a lot of MMA podcasts. I listen to Joe Rogan and Lifestyle podcasts to leadership. Just just various forms. And once upon a time, uh uh Skydive Radio was it for us. Skydive Radio uh was and still is one of the greatest skydiving podcasts out there. You know, they're they're the founding fathers. Sure. Um, even before my time, uh, although we've surpassed them in a number of episodes, a podcast called Jump Twenty Six, catering to new jumpers, was out there.
0: Nice,
1: and and uh, it, it's funny because somebody recently asked me, "What do you think of all the in, uh, impersonators out there?" I'm like, "What do you mean?" Well, so many people started a podcast since you did. I'm like, "Yeah, I copied people too, bro." <laughs> um, I, I, I uh, one of the things I liked about Rogan is, or one of the things that I was inspired about Rogan is, he tells all his friends you should start a podcast. And he's like, man, just put a phone down, hit record. And one day, a buddy of mine who turns into my co-host now, Nick Lott, uh, was my first guest. And literally, we put my phone on a tripod and we hit record and broadcast it to Facebook Live without like, we don't know what the fuck we're doing. Let's do this. And the goal really was back to social media is a great inspiration. You know, um, number one. We have a lot of great resources here in Spaceland Houston. We have a lot of great resource of human being, knowledge, and information. Sure. And it's a shame that we keep it to ourselves. Why can't we share it to a broader audience? Why can't we share it to people all over? I got an email the other day from a dude from Estonia who says, I listen to all the episodes. These are things I've learned from it. Uh, We get people who are, again, from all over the world listening. So we, we get to share that knowledge, number one. But number two, on a drop zone, and in this case on Spaceland, as a skydiver, you see us, but you don't know us. And right. a lot of jumpers think they know us, but you don't. Right. You really don't because we're at work all day. Sure. So I saw it as an opportunity to share knowledge, share information, but share personalities. Get to know your heroes sure. is one of the things we say. So we started on a whim. Um, we, we said, fuck it, let's try it. After that first episode, we liked it, immediately borrowed audio equipment from a good friend of mine, um, uh, Justin Grant, Justin Modlin, um, and uh, tried six more episodes. And in those six episodes, explored microphones, explored technology, and eventually got to a setup where – I'll never say we stabilized because <laughs> after 101 episodes yesterday, I got a new webcam for production. Sure. So our, our production our, – our equipment is always stepping up to the next level, so – um that was kind of the inspiration the start nick started as our producer uh i told him uh hey man in our first show we sat down and had a pre-show meeting we sat down to sushi like hey let's talk about what we're gonna do and uh he said if this takes off i want to be your young jamie which is joe rogan's producer who has very little interaction i'm like deal after that first episode he's he's in he runs the boards And I immediately say, I want you to interact more. I want you to be more of a co-host producer than just a producer. And he was like, no, no, that's not what I signed up for. Cool. (laughs) And I kept pushing that topic. He travels a lot. I travel a lot. We need a backup producer. So in case things, he's not in town. And a buddy of ours, Ben Nelson, covered the slot for a while, but he moves away. Another buddy, Justin Grubbs, our current uh, producer, we call him Mr. G. Uh, Not because his last name is Grubbs, but because he's a ginger. Uh Uh, My Ginger. So he, uh, he's our producer, and as Nick trained him to be the backup, Nick's got him trained up, and Justin, he's, he's smart. He gets it right away. Mm. So Nick's like, fuck it. I'm going to sit on the couch with these guys, and he immediately became the co-host. <laughs> That's awesome. And today we run a three-man show. Um, I actually am going to let, out a, uh, I'm, I'm gonna let a cat out of the bag right now. Please. We've not announced this anywhere else. Oh, shit. So not even on my show. We're going to announce it on your show. We actually have a new co-host coming in um we won't say her name i will tell you it's a her no. i was told recently i would love to hear a female perspective on the show not always but somewhat regularly sure. you should have a extra host that's a woman i said sounds like uh, i need somebody who's a woman only if i knew somebody who was available and she looked at me and goes you know i could do it <laughs> and uh, i'll give the uh, the world a hint she's been on the show before so she ha- she is familiar with gravity lab radio um, and so we're about to have her in, in the next few episodes as the third host. And then when Nick's out of town, she'll be my backup host. So, uh, we're constantly exploring and expanding the the scene. Gravity Lab Radio is about the, the skydivers, not about any one of us.
0: Which is super cool. And that's kind of the, one of the things that I've found in, in my version of this experiment with the podcast world is that, uh, um, there's so much to go around. Just like skydiving, there's a skydiver with us. Every skydiver's got a story. Uh, every jumper's got some lesson that they've learned or or something that they can impart or some ridiculous story that makes us laugh. And when I decided I was going to sit down and do it, it was very much of the mentality that I want the conversations that I have uh, to be exactly as if someone comes walking up to the bonfire, sits down, and starts eavesdropping on a conversation going next to them. Just skydiver shooting the shit about what we all end up talking about all the time anyway no filters no bullshit and no script just go here you know maybe maybe an idea of what we want to talk about but that's it um and it's worked out really really well and then listening to your stuff as well the banter that Scott skydivers get going back and forth is just infectious it's wonderful
1: the number of times nick and i tell each other to fuck off on a given episode is entertaining right um one of my fans, one and really he's a friend of mine as well, but what one of our uh, fans said online on, on FaceSpace, uh, it's like I'm hanging out with my friends having a beer, but I'm not there. Yeah, And that to me just – it's the epitome of what we're doing. It, it, that is the ultimate compliment because I, I build it as an organic conversation. Just you and I, we what we talked about is what time do we want to do this? Yeah. And my guests early on get nervous, and I'm sure you have the same, same problem. They're like, what are we going to talk about? What are we going to do? Uh, we're going to shoot the shit, bro. Yep, yep. We're going to hang out. We're just recording our conversation. That's all we're doing. Yep. And it's so much more fun. And, and that was, again, the catalyst of, of Gravity Lab Radio is I think all these other companies or groups are doing a good job, but nobody quite is doing the Rogan-style podcast and and I think now there's more people who are doing it. Nico uh, runs on the air with Nico and Babs. Uh, he hasn't done as many episodes as he wants. We started two days apart from each other. Hmm. Uh, you uh, also are running that similar format of let's just hang out on the air, yeah. and it's cool to see more and more people running this format and, and – using this resource. yeah, it,
0: it was one of the things that I, ha- I actually had someone ask me about uh, um, when I started it out is what, you know, what are you thinking? What style with this, with that? And, and, uh, um, they had brought up who's the competition and I kind of scratched my head at that. And I'm like, well, <laughs> there isn't any competition. Is there? there's, uh, it? there's it would be like saying that I'm having a competition with a group of skydivers on the other side of the planet. Uh, it, it's not the case. We're all just a bunch of skydivers shooting the shit. And there's so many fucking stories to be told so many lessons to be learned. And so many personalities, whether big names or no names, that it's, there is no competition, which is one of the reasons Fuck that I yeah. approached you to come on the show. There's no competition. I'm not in co- competition with Gravity Lab. I'm in partnership with you guys because we're all in the same fucking Amen. Sport you know,
1: man, it's a hundred percent, dude. I was on a waz, Wazi circus radio. Uh, waz runs that show and it's the same way. We're here to support and promote each other. You know, it's skydive radio back to it. To me, they're the godfathers of skydiving podcasting. Yeah. You know, somebody asked me, what do I think of the impersonators? Like fuck back to, I, I am an impersonator <laughs> and right. back to Rogan style. How many times does he have somebody on the show and promote their podcast for them? It's, there's no competition. And one of my goals one day is I would love to find PIA to me seems like the ultimate venue for this next statement, mm. but to find a time where we can get a large number of podcasters together. Now, this is going to be a stupid task <laughs> because when you put, uh, we've done the largest set we do is one, two, three, four, five, sorry, I'm counting seats in my studio right now sure. is five people. mic'd. Wow, five people. Mike is a dangerous conversation. It's hard to balance, Sure, but I would love to get. Skydive Radio. Skydive Radio UK. Jump 26. The Fucking Pilot, The Lunatic Fringe, Lab. I would love to get all of these people in the same group and throw a mic down.
0: Oh my god. And
1: talk shit.
0: Oh my god. It would
1: be so much fun. And fortunately, I do have a traveling studio. I actually can bag everything up. I on um, this winter, man, I'm, I'm I hope I can pull this off because it's a goal Nick and I have this winter. We plan on going to the land and setting up shop at some place. We were talking to a couple of manufacturers who will give us a space to use for a couple of days and interview a bunch of the greats. John LeBlanc's already agreed to do that in-person interview. Um, So we've got a traveling setup and I traveling setup. I just have my whole studio modular so I can take it down and put it up really, really easy. Um, So I I would love to see not the competition to get together, but the the –
0: the just to the get group, a, yeah, yeah, just to get together and play, well, and that's that's another amazing thing about the sport is the true rock stars of the sport and and the the um the heroes of the sport and the people that were the the uh trailblazers are happy to do these kind of things because they're just like us. They want to impart whatever they can to the new people coming up, to the people that have been in the sport forever, the ones that are getting a little stale and, and want to revitalize it all. Uh, so you you talk to the biggies, you know, Olaf being one of them um, and get him to sit down and, and shoot the shit and tell his story. They're thrilled to do it because they're still very much a part of this community. And I mean, what do skydivers like to do more than jump and drink? Fucking talk about skydiving and talk about drinking. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right. Right. Man, I think uh, what we talk about here as a podcast community and the fact that we're not competitors, we're supporters is uh, akin to what we do in skydiving, because go watch the NBA finals and you're not going to see one team telling the other team how to win. No, but go to Nationals and 16 way. There's a point that's nicknamed Ass Jack. Yeah. And it's because uh, Arizona Airspeed, the Golden Knights, will talk to Jack Burke, the team captain of DeGueo, and say, how would you engineer this? And he is telling his competitors how to engineer it. We just had the first PD bullseye accuracy event here in Houston, and and then they just had it. They're following all around the the, the world, actually. And in Houston, after round one, I saw two-thirds of the competitors hanging out, and the girl who got the first place spot, who, who had the best score, who crushed it is sitting there telling her friends and people she doesn't even know, this is how I did it. Think about these conditions. Go to Swoop Nationals. We teach and promote each other how to beat ourselves. We're not competitors. We're supporters. Absolutely, who happen to compete? Well, and that's that's. So I love the fact that you have that viewpoint too. Well, and
0: it needs to be that way. I mean, I had uh, Craig Girard sitting in the booth uh, a while back, and and uh, at the time he was actively training the Russian team, the Belly Team, to compete, of course, against uh, uh, the United States, the Golden Knights, Arizona Airspeed, and of course, he's laughing. I'm asking him if he's going to get shit for coaching the Russians, uh, but his uh, his uh, uh, mentality is. I want them to do as good as they can because I want to see a better competition. You know, it's it's not yeah. about them and us. It's let's have a fucking kick-ass competition, and it's kind of the same with something like this as well. Because I'll listen to you guys, or I'll listen to UK, and get ideas, and and go, oh, wow, man, they're 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 kind of crushing it with that. I should try something like this, and hopefully, vice versa. You know, I mean, it's supposed to go both ways. Because at the end of the day, there's a load of people out there to listen to this, and you guys are like me. I do one podcast a week. Well, I can burn through my hour or two-hour podcast, and the first thing. I'm thinking is, fuck, when's the next episode going to come out? But when I've got Gravity Lab to switch over to, or when I've got any other podcast, go to listen to Shannon Pilcher's podcast, who's, you know, not so much about skydiving, but still rooted in the sport. It's super cool to be able to go, okay, I can keep on going with this interest and just get a different perspective, which is really cool.
1: It is, man. And back to that's, I think why we both started it. It was not to necessarily share our perspective, but to share others, to get the opportunity to to be that outlet, that exactly, resource for people. Exactly.
0: I mean, fuck. I've been writing for Blue Skies Magazine for ten years now. People have heard enough <laughs> of my fucking stories. <laughs> <laughs> they, they don't need to hear any more of my stupid shit. They want to hear everybody else's stupid shit. <laughs>
1: uh, absolutely, man. And the Gravity Lab has been so much fun. It, it's it's been a blast. Our friendships have built. Uh, it's you know it's not just about a podcast anymore and gravity lab radio it, it took us a while to come up i think it took us 6 or 7 episodes to really settle on that name mm. gravity lab radio and and ultimately i like it because it's gone beyond radio gravity lab and i played with that word a little bit more and more and we're about to actually have our third film festival and for me the flyboys film festival back in you know the whole era oh yeah uh, was was an inspiration to me i always wanted to Host a film festival based off the of Flyboys film festival, and we're about to run our third one here at SpaceLand Houston. We've had a dozen or so entries uh, the last couple years. This year, we're I'm expecting to push fifteen to twenty because we have uh, people coming in from out of country for for this year's event, and uh, that's been a lot of fun. And, and it's been really cool to see the videos they produce, but also. We did a karaoke fight night one year where we just had a night where we did karaoke followed by UFC fights. Awesome! And then the next year we did the same thing, but we added organizers. It's like, Hey man, this is a skydiving event. And we charged for none of these events. We don't charge any fees. We don't sell anything. We we just host a party. That's all we're doing. And we had Jeffro Provenzano for the free fly or for the uh, uh, flight extravaganza is one of our co organize or or, or, uh, a guest, um, text Jesse, text Leos was one of the organizers. We, we had you, we had belly flying, free flying, wingsuit, XRW, all organized at the flight extravaganza. So gravity lab is, is not just a podcast. It's a, it's a mentality. It's a lifestyle. It's about skydiving. It's just about having fun. And it's, it's been challenging because gravity lab radio is not a skydiving specific name. Right. And it's been done that way on purpose. And my original goal is still there. It's still out there is not to be 100% skydiving. We've done podcasts specifically about health and fitness. Mm. Um, We have done podcasts uh, focusing a little bit on CBD and CBD uh, uh, products, which I'm a huge advocate for CBD. Mm. Um, We we are talking to entrepreneurs, to business owners. We are looking at, at different things. And eventually the goal is 50%, whether it's 50% of this conversation is about skydiving and 50% of this conversation is about otherwise, or this whole episode sure. is Venezuela. We did a full episode about the turmoil and the politics in Venezuela and what's going on in that country. Hmm. And you know, you mentioned it earlier, and I don't know if we, we talked about this pre-show or on the show, but there's so many ways to go and like Shannon Pilcher is is really crossing more to the mainstream sure. and I love what he's doing and pushing out there to to promote good ideas and good attitudes to everybody. Sure. We are focusing dominantly on skydiving, but I'm using skydiving as that platform to learn how to better host, to learn how to better produce and and to build an audience because as we can grow that audience I think we can grow and cross over into a larger audience as well as we talk more about leadership, as we talk more about self-improvement, about growth, about self-awareness and and all these things. We're looking at – we're talking to a yogi about having an an episode – focusing on yoga and fitness. And of course we'll apply it to how it fits into skydiving. Sure. Style.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, and I, I think we did talk about it pre-show. Um, I, when I first started doing the podcast, my thought was it would be about all extreme sports, but I found, uh, and maybe it's just because of the community and mentality. Uh, the fucking pilot seems to have a niche in, in skydiving and that it's tough to get, uh, your average triathlete or something to want to sit down and talk to a guy that calls himself the fucking pilot. Um, fair enough. And I'm, I'm happy sticking with that niche, but I've also tried to go out of my way to ask people throughout the podcast, what their other interests are, what their other drives are. Are there other things that they like to do? Where do they see themselves going in the future? And, um, all my conversations, I, it does not have to stick to skydiving. Although I like the fact that you guys are going to aim specifically outside of it as well as staying in the sport. I think that's really cool.
1: Yeah. For me, it's, I have so many diverse interests in life. And I want to like I want to talk about a lot of them and I want to learn about a lot of them. And and, in podcasting, it's been so great. How much I've learned from my guests has been tremendous. Oh, yeah. Whether it's learned about them or learned from them. It's I've I've gotten such an informal education this way. And so to get people who who work and specialize in something I'm interested in would be such a great opportunity for me to learn but why be selfish about that learning and not share it with other people? Absolutely.
0: Well, and, and to be honest, uh, and it's not always the case. Uh, we all, all obviously know people that have focused on nothing but Scott for many, many years and have just as much passion for it now as they, they did back in the day. But I find that if you have a more diverse, um, desire to learn different things and do different things, it keeps that passion alive for each and every one of them. Unless if you just focus on just one thing and let everything else go by the wayside, eventually I think you're risking burnout. Um, So it's nice to hear about different passions and different uh, interests and wanting to learn other things because at the end of the day, we're always going to be skydivers. We're going to come back to it. Um, But it's nice to know there's also other stuff out there.
1: Absolutely, man. It, it's it's yeah, I, I love those other avenues. It, there's just too much great information for me to not want to let people share more and more yeah, of it.
0: damn right. So tell me what uh, uh, what comes next for you personally, and and uh, we already know a little bit more about what's coming up with Gravity Lab. You're gonna have the new home host, which is awesome. Um, but uh, um, future goals other than uh, uh, trying to expand. If if you got other markets you're trying to go into,
1: man, it's future goals right now. I think I'm in the middle of those future goals, uh, starting the rating center. And really the rating center is my primary life. It is a, a, a large focus of what I do. Sure. The rating center is, uh, I started just as me, a one man show. I, I had no real goals to grow, no real goals to do anything besides just be me. And the opportunity to expand started happening. And, uh, I early on just didn't care, so I let it be. And then uh, as Spaceland grew, I actually had an opportunity to grow with Spaceland, and I'm like, you know what? I'll try this. Sure. And I didn't – initially didn't like it. I got the first taste of expansion and said, I don't want to manage other people. I don't want to deal with other lives. I This is too much of a headache for me. <laughs> so after that first year of expansion, I said, I'm going to take a year of truly exploring and deciding if I want expansion or not. Right. And that was 2017, 2008. At the end of 2017, I said, you know what? This is something I can do and I want to do. And really, the goal was uh, not business. The goal was growth of the community. Mm. If you know, a lot of people know Spaceland is expanding and growing, and a lot of people see it purely as a business, and, and there's no doubt. This makes Steve Boyd a living. This makes myself a living, sure. but I know I know Steve well enough, and I can actually speak on this because we've had this conversation. His, his attitude reflects my attitude. I could have – he could have one drop zone. I could have one rating center, and we could affect this community in this pocket and make safer and better skydivers, and that's wonderful, or – I can affect more. Sure. I love USPA. I think USPA does a great job. I think the way we're growing as a governing body. I think the way that we're growing as examiners is getting better and better. And those improvements will continue to come. But it's hard to grow it's hard to to grow standardization. It's hard to improve that quality on such a large scale quickly. So they're doing it wisely. But on a small scale like mine, I can immediately implement changes. I can immediately mandate things of my examiners. We have six uh, going on seven examiners, uh, one two, uh, somewhere around that number. Sure. Um, and it's easy for me to say with seven examiners versus hundreds, this is the bottom line. Right. So for me, expanding has been about now I can affect a larger area. Now I can affect skydivers all over the place. So what's next Well, 2018 was how do I grow, and 2019 is the start of that real growth. We are running more courses this year than I've ever run. Um, There's been multiple days where we're running two to three courses at a given time, coaching going on at the same time in one location, not in multiple, just in one. And then, of course, other locations. We're based out of Houston, but we also have a campus in San Marcos, Texas, and a campus in Dallas, Texas. Um, and we're looking at uh, a fourth. Yes, we partner with Spaceland, but I'm also talking to other people. Um, I actually have a – I'd say a fairly large-name examiner who him and I are talking about uh, merging uh, together and, and growing our ability to affect the sport. Very cool. So what's next? Man, continuing to expand our influence is really what's next for the Rating Center, for Gravity Lab Radio – Keep doing what we're doing. Awesome. Just keep shooting the shit. Yeah, yeah. It it is. It's. It's. uh, Nick and I have said if we stop having fun, we'll stop doing the show. And we still have fun. Um, Yes, there's days we don't. We we actually have shown up to the show, going like, "You ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Let's go." Uh, We've had guests where we haven't been as excited about the guests, but it's what people wanted. Um, You know, and you know, people say if you do what you love for a living, you'll never work a day in your life. That person's never done what they love for a living, right? Some days it's work, oh, okay. but goddamn, it's the best work ever.
0: Absolutely. Well, I think that's the big thing is I've absolutely worked my ass off in doing what I love for a living, but it's a labor of love. So you're very happy to put in the work. Very, very happy. Well, that's a hundred percent, man. It's it's awesome, and it's really cool to to get you on the show as well. Because again, I, I, I when I first decided I was going to give this a shot, I, I went out of my way to listen to a number of the different podcasts that were out there. Yours being predominantly one of them. And it's it's cool to hear how you're still going, still enjoying it, and uh, I'm still going to keep taking tips off of you and and uh, take all the ideas I can get.
1: man uh steal everything you can if you're not stealing you ain't trying um i will say i don't listen to other podcasts nearly as much and it's it's so funny because people say well you'll learn so much from them and that's the thing is i don't i want ours to organically grow naturally i want to see what our child becomes without any outside influences absolutely um um now I think we're finally to a point where we've developed and now I, I don't think other things will affect us as much. We're early on it would. Sure. Um and I look forward to uh I, I've actually been waiting to listen to your show, but I didn't want to listen to your show until I actually was on it. Cool. <laughs> um I won't listen to my own. I if I don't listen to Gravity Lab Radio. I I I experienced that podcast. Yeah, I'm not gonna listen to I don't to listen
0: it. to my own either. I post-produce yeah, and then I just, don't ever listen to it again.
1: Exactly, man. It, it's the same thing. But um, I didn't want to hear how you talk. I didn't, I didn't want to know anything about how you host a show. It's cool. Be- Because I didn't want to try to fit a mold or model. I wanted you and I just to be what we are.
0: Well, and that's kind of the thing too that I've told all my guests that you know that want some kind of direction. I'm like, no, no direction. And of course, you'll get the ones that are a little nervous at the start, but by the end of it, you tell them, well, that was an hour and a half. What we just talked for? Yes, because we're just shooting the shit, man. This is fucking bonfire. You know, whether it's in person, (laughs) whether it's in person or on Skype, man. Pour yourself a drink, sit back, and let's shoot the shit. That's it. Whether it gets serious or it's playful, whether you're telling fart stories or a horrible story, uh, you know, about somebody that got hurt, uh, let it go where it goes, you know, and, and have fun with it. And at the end of the day, that's usually how it goes. They start out nervous and then up going, fuck, that was, that was it, <laughs> which is awesome.
1: Man, I appreciate you having me on. I appreciate the opportunity to uh, share a little bit more of our story with Gravity Lab Radio with, with the Rady Center.
0: Yeah, man. I definitely want the background. I, I'm I'm thrilled to hear about it. I'm I'm glad that we had the opportunity to sit down and, and get a talk. And I am really going to look forward to the day that you get all the podcasters in one room, because holy shit. Man, I think everybody would do it, man. Yeah, yeah. I, it's, it's, Especially if there's an I've open actually, bar.
1: It, right, and no, I'm not going to have an open bar. I, can, <laughs> I, I can't afford an open bar for Scott Ivers. <laughs> Um, you know, I've heard on uh, other podcasts actually promote uh, ours as well. You know, I've heard podcasts that I've not even been on talk about us sure. and some of them say I'm not their style and I respect and I love that. But and the cool part is, is yet they still promoted me like, hey, the Gravity Lab radio. They're not my style. I just don't like the way they speak, the way they talk. You know, that non PC version, I think, is what got those folks. Sure. And I and, and I respect that. But yet they still promoted our show. And, and that's what I love about it. We're not competitors. We're supporters. Yeah. And I think all those people. If we can get us all in or as many as we can in one room, how fun would that be? Oh,
0: it'd be a fucking I blast. Just,
1: I just don't know how crazy that way that man it's gonna be. Hard. It, it's so, either
0: gonna get really crazy yeah. or we'll all just sit there staring at each other. And I don't think that's gonna happen.
1: No, because we all talk a lot. Right? Right. <laughs> that's
0: why we all have podcasts. Yeah, that's the one thing we have in common. But that's also why I don't listen to my own podcast because I talk too fucking much and I've already heard all my stories. <laughs>
1: Right, I've heard this before, I don't need to hear yeah. it again I've heard my stories enough that I forgot how to tell told, told, told them Yeah,
0: absolutely, no, I'm right there with you Well, DJ, it's been a fucking blast, man I really appreciate you taking the time to sit down and talk with me And hopefully we get the chance to do it again
1: Man, I want to throw out real quick to the people listening Number one, theratingscenter.com If you have a ratings need, if you're looking for an examiner oh, We're based out of the Texas area, but we do travel Hit us up, we can help you out Gravity Lab Radio. Search us on any podcast app. We're out there. We're available. Tell your friends about us. But I really want to take a second because we didn't talk about LB Live. Please, please tell me. Larson and Bruce Guard uh, approached me. They liked what we do with Gravity Lab. So they asked me to host interviews with athletes and we feature a athlete uh, every month. It's about a 30 minute Skype interview. It's face to face or Skype to Skype face. Gotcha. Um, and we produce a lot of video with it. And please, guys, look at Larson and Bruce Guards uh, Facebook page. Check it out. We host LB Live on their on their Facebook once a month. Every three months, we give away a complete awareness package. Right now, that's a free Aries 2 and a free ProTrack 2. That's a total of $750 worth of products right there that you're going to get. That's awesome. Um, our sponsors and skydiving do so much uh, to support us. With gear, and we do so much to promote them as personalities. And with Larson and Bruce Guard with LB altimeters, uh, we wanted to actually promote the athlete because it's, it's common they promote us. But as a rep for LB altimeters, I can say we wanted to promote the athlete. Sure. So it's our opportunity to give back as LB altimeters. It's our opportunity to let you know more about the athlete. So check out LB Live. Uh, You can search for LB Live on Facebook. It's a lot of fun. And who knows, maybe we will uh, turn it into an audio podcast and make it
0: available out there as well. Oh, That would be super cool. That would be really cool. So LB Live, Gravity Lab, and the Rating Center are three things everybody absolutely needs to check out
1: absolutely man and uh as i say i stay a little too busy i will tell you maybe just maybe if you're looking for a mart for an infinity rig we are almost done with certification jumps for the faa for that nice so when i say i stay busy i stay busy we're doing those test jumps too and uh gotta love glossy sports equipment uh i don't think a mart is necessary but i do think it's nice i do think it's a great option and infinity is pushing that out soon too um mr p my host Co-host Nick Lott and I are finishing those test jumps, hopefully uh, beginning of August. Wow.
0: We both are just crazy busy in July. Yeah, well, crazy busy, period. I mean,
1: goddamn. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, if you ain't busy, it's, uh, how do you die? You sit still.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, no, I, I am not going to let boredom get me. That's for damn sure. Hell yeah, but Dean, thank you so much for the opportunity, brother.
1: I look forward to the next time you're in Houston. Be on the show, hang out, and uh, let's shoot some more shit.
0: Perfect. DJ, thank you so much, man. Have a great one. YouTube buddy. Bye. Well, there you have it. Another episode of the Lunatic Fringe Podcast brought to you as always by, well, wait, not as always actually. Brought to you now by Gyro. Formerly known as NZ Aerosports, you'll head to gyro.com for their next level line of canopies. By Pussfoot, the extreme sports collective. Head over to Pussfoot.com to check it out. By Summit Parachute Systems. Check out SummitParachuteSystems.com to talk to Jarrett Martin and the gang about kick-ass pilot rigs, rigging courses, and more. Buy Flyaway Indoor Skydiving. Go to FlyawayTN.com and check out all the cutting-edge stuff to come. Buy Pure Spectrum CBD. Head to PureSpectrumCBD.com to check out their wide range of CBD products. And as for us, head to the dot to listen to any of the hundreds of episodes currently available. Hit the link for our YouTube channel. Pick up your copy of the Lunatic Fringe book or The Accidental Stripper, and get a sneak peek at upcoming guests. Once again, thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time.